All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Michael Jr. That's me. With me, as always, taking it back to the 99 and the 2000s, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Mike is commenting on my perfect blockbuster graphic tee that I'm rocking. It says, make it a blockbuster night tonight. So shout out to everyone who was out there um, picking out those plastic tapes and not rewinding them before they returned them. You know that was the first job I technically ever had was working at a video store? I'm pissed and glad because I know how, just because I know your family history. But the fact that you worked in that video store, Mike, tell the story. So uh, when my dad finished up playing for the Miami Dolphins, he played nine years in the NFL, his last years with the Dolphins. He retired after my sister was born. And then we moved to Orlando. My mom's parents were living up there and they wanted to, as my dad was figuring out what his next step was, help get him back on his feet, doing something, get a job so he had something to sink his teeth into day to day. And so my grandfather on my mom's side and my parents went in on buying a video store. It was first run video in Orlando, Florida. And I would go in there as a little kid. I had to be, you know, I think four years old at that point, four or five years old. And I would go in there during the day and I would have a little sweeper and I would go and sweep up bugs from behind the racks. 
I would go and straighten up the movies. I would spend a lot of time in the softcore porn section straightening up the tapes there. And then I would go back and I would sit at the counter in the front and I would get paid in Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and I would watch movies behind the desk. And it was awesome. Did you have any gumball machines at this store? Um, I don't remember the gumball machines. All I remember, because again, my post was near the front. So I was watching on the small like VHS TV in front, whatever movie I was playing that day. And then they had the candy rack, how you have by every checkout to take yes. advantage of weak-willed people like me. Ooh, yes. I mean, you got to get something on the way out. You're about to go watch a movie. Um, but Mike, that is amazing. And all I could think about was, what was Jake's first job? I think also working in first-run video. Because <laughs> at that point, my sister was a baby. And even though child labor laws were blurred here, she was not physically capable of doing much. And so it was on me and Jake at that point. And being the oldest, that's just kind of my lot in life. I'm supposed to take the initiative. I'm supposed to go do these things and be the breadwinner for the rest of the siblings. Of course. And before we move on to the actual uh, content of today's episode, what was your dad doing? He was just helping run the video store. And I'm sure like kind of being like a, a face of it. At that point, he was still big. Former football player was, you know, never right. a huge name as an NFL player, but had already been doing media stuff at that point, was eventually going to go on and start doing preseason football games for the Jacksonville Jaguars, got hooked up with the NFL Films crew. Like that was kind of his gateway there. So it was just, you know, his to run on the day to day. They had employees there. He would obviously, him and my mom come in and, you know, help out with stuff when they could, but he was just there to start figuring out how to be in a human outside of the NFL. Love it. Love it. By way of VC VHSs. Yes. Slanging those VHSs, man. So be kind, rewind, always. Do your local VHS people a solid if that thing were to still exist. Uh, we got a great show for you guys today. As always, download, subscribe, rate, and review. Gojo, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And check us out on the DraftKings YouTube as well under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist. Um couple of things uh, that we're going to run down through today, Brandon, um, looking at if the NFL can do anything to actually harm itself at this point. Because we had a big last, I'd say, five days of loud complaining going on, followed by whispers and rumors of more dilution on the way for the NFL. We also have to ask a question about Notre Dame. Not is it back, but something very close to that after three straight wins for the Irish. And a question about birthday etiquette. Although I will say, Brandon, um, we talked about it on the podcast yesterday, and I just wanted to close the circle on this. We went and did the baptism for my nephew, Jackson, today. Yes. Or yesterday, excuse me, on Notre Dame's campus at the Log Chapel in the back. It was the first building on Notre Dame's campus when the Fathers of the Holy Cross came over. All that great history about it. We went in there, and we were all under the impression that we were just going to go in there, knock this thing out, like it was going to be this short-lived thing, and we were just going to go in there. Do the sacrament, splash the water on the young man, get him, you know, introduce him to Christ saving light and all that good stuff. Amen. We ended up having to go through a whole mass. I have not been to church in a while, and it felt like a pop quiz that I had not studied for and just had to go back and circle C for every answer. I had to do a reading. I had to lead the responsorial <laughs> song. I was hitting the arm Dougie in the front. Like you, you remember being in Catholic Mass at Notre Dame with us before, yes. how you have the person that has to lead the charge up front, and they do that thing where they lift their hand up to let the audience know it's time for you to mumble the few words that you're comfortable saying at a low tone, singing-wise, that you're comfortable mustering yes. up in order to be a part of this. And I'm looking at just my family in there like you guys have to bail me out right now because i have been thrown into the deep end and i am flailing was it was it your duty as godfather 
No, it was my duty as the most well-read one in the family. I, I was going to say that <laughs> they would push your ass out there well, to read. You know how those Bible, Bible words are, Brandon? Those words are hard as fuck. Mike, I mean, and I'll get made fun of them every time I have to read aloud. I don't like popcorn with, when it's uh, Bible study. I can't do it. I don't no. know. It's Galatians. I, what is it? I, it It is a book where every other word is a landmine. And they've got all of the denotations. So there's numbers in by all the words. Mm-hmm. And they make a bunch of them different colors. And you got to kind of jump around. You got all those different bookmarkers. It was just a lot of stress. And then going back through a Catholic Mass for the first time. And again, a long time. They did that Vatican Council where they changed a bunch of the words just slightly. And you could tell oh, yeah. that at one point in time, my whole family messed up like one part of that. Like we did the, you know, like... And also with you instead of within your spirit at the wrong part. And after that, Buddy just knew he was going to have to kind of carry the lead. I'll never forget. It reminded me so much of this. My fifth year senior year um, in 2012, I was taking three classes at the time. A directed reading that didn't meet on campus. One class about the environment that did meet on campus twice a week. And then a guitar class where the teacher would come to my apartment. And he would teach me and three of my other roommates in our apartment. We would sit and drink beer and he would teach us how to play the guitar. And at one point, the local news wanted to come over and do a story on... These Notre Dame football players who were learning how to play guitar during the 2012 season where we were going undefeated and things were going well. And let me tell you how little of the guitar any of us were learning at that point in time. So when they brought the news camera into my condo and pointed it at all of us, our teacher was playing so loud to try and drown out the sound of how shitty we all were at the guitar. And that's essentially what this priest did during the baptismal mass as he just went through and very loudly would go through all of the beats of the mass because I don't think he wanted to hear us messing up any more than we already were. Is there any chance that you learned one thing from that guitar class? Not that I could replicate to you now. Brandon, I took Spanish from first grade until my junior year of college, and I am only serviceable and only getting better thanks to our friends at Babbel that have been sponsors of this podcast. But they had to go back in and do a lot of rewiring for things that I had just let go to shit over the years. Si se puede. (laughs) No mas on this one, Brandon. Uh, Let's look at the NFL. Um Because we saw these quotes start to pop up yesterday. We had the two London games for the season. And the NFL has four games that will be taking place outside of U.S. soil this year. The Buccaneers are going to be playing in Munich and Germany. And then we're going to have the Mexico City game that I believe is the last game of the season. I forget who else is playing in that one. But you get the point. We had the two London games. And with that always comes the conversation that we used to have about the Jags. Were they just finally going to ship them over to London where they played so many of their damn games? But this last weekend, we actually gave London good teams. You had the reigning MVP playing in a London game for the first time. You had two teams above 500 playing in a London game for the first time in the Giants yeah, and, and the Green Bay Packers. So yeah. all of that led Roger Goodell to this conversation about a London-based team. And he said, quote, there's no question that London could support not just one franchise, I think two franchises. I really believe that. They have two NFL-ready stadiums over there. The last time the league made a move with teams, it was the Chargers and the Rams that brought them over to L.A. Um, And Neil Reynolds jokingly asked for a European division. Goodell went on to clarify and said, that's part of what we're doing, right? We're trying to sort of see, could you have multiple locations in Europe where you could have an NFL franchise because it would be easier as a division? 
And Brandon, I'm not interested in the specific logistics of this because I firmly believe if the NFL wants to do this, they will. And we will all accept that because we do. And it really made me start to think, when you look at the last five days or so, Brandon, between what we have seen, concussion injury-wise, taking place mm-hmm. on the field, all the rule changes after Tua Tungavailoa went down on Thursday night football after playing that short one, the conversation around Thursday night football that develops from that, in general, about the short weeks, about how they're bad games, about how we basically just watched smut on Thursday night football this last week, but we all stuck around and watched the Broncos and the Colts not score points against each other. We had the roughing the passer fiascos that went on this weekend, including in the Monday night football primetime game involving the Chiefs and the Raiders. You can even go all the way back, Brandon, to this offseason and watching Deshaun Watson get handed $230 million guaranteed. And I asked the question on Twitter, and I asked it earnestly at Mike Golick Jr., is there anything the NFL can actually do to make people stop watching at this point? Because I think the answer is no. I think uh, Captain Cons was on to something. I saw he jumped in and said, move games from Sunday to Saturday. Uh, but yes, outside of completely redoing the entire schedule, it seems like the NFL is pretty Teflon. We knew that as football people, we knew that. But when you start thinking about the logistics of what actually could push people away from football, even the people that are fake not watching football because of the protests and the kneeling, it, it, the fountain is just too strong. The water's too wet and we're, and we're too thirsty. Yeah, that was a lot of like posturing and ironically for all those people to talk about virtue signaling, like that's exactly what that was because no one was really going away from any of this. And we've seen, but we've seen everything on both sides of the aisle come to football and have some sort of effect. We saw the paid military advertisement and all the controversy around that and pre-games for the NFL. We've seen a little bit of everything at this point and none of it's managed to do the job here. And obviously I think this kind of, to me was the sort of ha ha part when we heard Chris Jones and others, even Tony Dungy, I think commenting on, you know, this isn't football, what we're watching when you have Chris Jones and the roughing the passer, like Part of what makes football fun is our ability to complain about it relentlessly, knowing it's ultimately still going to be there. Like, it's a consistent force of both anger and joy. But the bottom line, and this is always like the Stephen A. Smith first take rule, right? It's only there to make you feel something. And as long as it's making you feel something, whether that is joy, whether that is pain, whether that is anger, this thing is allowed to exist in whatever form it wants to. And that's really how the NFL's managed to sustain this long, because we're addicted to violence, because they know it and they've created a product that is so potent they have woven their way into first fantasy football I had a number of people saying that if they took away fantasy football that would be a big shot to this and I think an easy subsidiary of that is sports gambling now what we're a part of here at DraftKings like being able to have a little bit of skin in the game what you're watching late into the fourth quarter of a game you may not have otherwise cared about also makes this something that I think is harder and harder for people to let go of because it is easy entertainment. It feels like it's away from their normal everyday life. It's the same sort of reason that I watch The Bachelor and Bachelorette all the time. So I just, I truly wonder, and and like, I don't want to get too morbid with this and go the direction some people suggested about what you could potentially see on field, but I just, I don't know if at any point, and this circles all the way back to the London thing, can you truly dilute this product too much 
as we've expanded to a 17-game regular season, as we've expanded the postseason, as we've moved teams around, as we've shoved games into more nights, as we now have the NFL really in competition with the NBA for Christmas Day and the eyeballs there, not just Thanksgiving where they've planted their flagpole for a long time. Like, is there anywhere football can go where people will finally tap out and say, this is too much? And so far, the answer has been no. And the NFL has been calculated and they've done it at a pace that they feel like people can absorb. And they've made it sort of like that bacon wrap theory where if you just give it a little of time and you wrap it around some sweet shit, it's going to be more easily digestible for the people that they're trying to sell this to. Yeah, Mike, but my thing is uh, I keep coming back to why. And I'm not sure if it's the, you know, the obsession with violence, the game, the fun, feeling things. I think it comes down to one main point, and it's football's tradition at this point in time. Every fall, it's tradition for families, it's tradition for institutions, it's tradition for friends. Uh, it's just like a, a true tradition, and like tradition that changes over time as it evolves. Remember Brian Kelly came in and changed up the entire way that Notre Dame did our pregame thing, changing mass and the walk and all these things that Marcus Freeman has moved back. This tradition can always be tweaked, but it's never eradicated. Well, it's interesting, though, because we've had plenty of other traditions involving sports in this country that have gone by the wayside. Now, the NFL has an advantage because it is a specific day. Like, while we've added all those other days, the NFL is Sundays. It is carved out as the holy holiday. The NBA, games are a little bit more scattered. They're all throughout the week. Same with Major League Baseball. Same with the NHL. Like, the volume there makes it a difficult conversation. But we've seen baseball used to be that sport in America. People always talk about horse racing, boxing, all these sports that used to have the level of reverence in America that football had that eventually went by the wayside. And they've all got different reasons. Right, I think a lot of people look at, at you know the alphabet soup that boxing's become, the way that promotions and the politics around when fights would come together and who would actually give us the names that people wanted to see in a, in that arena started to become problematic. Baseball strikes and lockouts, which I think can damn a lot of sports, and I think with the NFL, you see the players always, I think relative to a lot of the other leagues with such comparatively little leverage because of the short shelf life of being a player in that league, you're hardly ever, especially with the money at stake now, at true risk of a lockout reaching the regular season or a strike reaching the regular season because people want to go out there and be able to collect that once-in-a-lifetime money in that mode. But baseball also deals with, you know, again, games being considered too long, the pace being considered too slow. And while football is not necessarily a game that jumps out to you pace-wise at the NFL level, you can hear all those stats about how much game time there actually is played between the snaps while you're huddling and everything like that. It's right. got the violence factor. And it's got scarcity on its side because you only get 17 of these now in the regular season and then the postseason games. And I just wonder if there's anything from those other sports that exists as a cautionary tale. And I can't really think of it because, again, football's such a unique cocktail with what it gives you just inherently within the bounds of the sport. Yeah, Mike, but I think there's a little bit of, just to go back to Roger Goodell, I don't like the honesty there. And I don't like the... Why does he have to lie, though? He, Brandon, he has no reason to lie. Roger Gundell, you can tell you exactly what thing he's going to do to you that you may not like. And for the most part, we haven't seen them balk on much. Like they give, they do what the NCAA used to do really well, and that's give ground, you know, grudgingly. 
the NCAA, when you know you get Shabazz Napier coming out and saying we're going to bed hungry, starts to give people more food and players more food. They get the stipend up, the cost of attendance up, and they finally fucked that up at the end here as pay for play started to become nearing the conversation. As NIL got in here and they kept waiting for the government bailout. The NFL's kind of done the same thing along most lines, right? They messed up real bad with keeping all that concussion information from everyone. And ever since then, they'll tweak the rules to make offense fun. They'll do what they did when something bad happens to two on Thursday night and it goes back to head injuries, which is football's really true crisis. If you wanted to look at one, it might be the next generation of the game. Are kids as wired still to go out and play tackle football, to go and put themselves potentially physically at risk as we see interest changing across a lot of demographics, but especially across young people? All of that, you know, saying like, how much could that actually change things on that front? But for the rest of it, I mean, even look at the roughing the passer stuff. We already saw reports, I think, in the Washington Post that, according to sources, the NFL's not planning on changing anything with those because they know they don't have to because they know, again, in the order of importance of shit that people come to watch football for, quarterback far supersedes defensive tackles, defensive ends, being able to go and smack those guys. The big hits that used to sell and jacked up and stuff were great, but the way they've retooled this league to put the overemphasis on offense and the rules to help skew that, they got to keep those big-name quarterbacks upright. They look around and see, we survived. Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, Phillip Rivers, Eli Manning, all these guys retiring and going out of the league, and we got a whole new crop of new guys that everybody really loves, and the only thing that matters is keeping our visible faces up there and out in the league. So yeah, we'll make sure when Tua Tungavailoa goes down and the concussion thing looks ugly that we make rule changes that make it look like we care. But when it comes to roughing the passer, they'll sit there for a day. They'll let us all go and complain on social media. And then they'll go, all right, so we'll see you same time next week. And they'll keep it moving. Why do they have to lie? The product just isn't a European product. And that's why if it's, there's a reason why there's not a premier soccer league in America. I like mean, I, I think you've got the MLS gaining popularity over here. You've got the yeah, NWSL gaining the, popularity over here. We see European exports like Zlatan league. Ibrahimovic and company come over here, and they are popular, and we see their names pop up all the time. David Beckham, the first one to do that back in the day. Like, here's, that stuff does happen. Saying. Here's what I'm saying. And, and the European division for the NFL is a part of this. The thing that could change the NFL and can hurt the NFL is players – potential players not wanting to get in the mix. It's the Andrew Lux of the world retiring early, right? And obviously for a lot of people who play football and need to play football, that's not an issue that they're going to deal with. But you hear about all the NBA players that – all is, you know, in parentheses. But the NBA players that have issues going over to Toronto to play for the, the Toronto Raptors, Raptors because it's just in international waters. And as soon as you get up there in, in top boy territory in the north in Canada, it's just different, right? I can't imagine how different trying to get players drafted that are going to Ohio State, Notre Dame, and, and Wisconsin. Obviously, for the money, you'll do anything. But getting them to go play for the product that is the, the, the London Lakers or whatever the hell, the London, London Lions – I, I don't know, Mike. I don't. I don't. I think that's. I think that's tough sledding. I think it's way too early even mentioned for Roger Goodell because I don't think it's actually even going to come to fruition. If they are saying it out loud, 
important people are probably already talking about it. That's always the golden rule I tell people when it comes to the college football playoff. If they are mentioning expansion like they were, they are as close to it as we saw they were this summer. That's how these sports operate. They don't let it get out here before they are good and ready to have floated up trial balloons. They've seen fans pack those stadiums over there. They've seen the support and third-party gear showing up in those stadiums. And I'm not even saying that as a specific example is viable soon or something they might actually pull the trigger on. But if they did... I don't think it stops anything. I really don't because I think we've seen far worse come to this sports table and for it to be able to survive it. So it's just, it's interesting to consider because we came off this weekend where so much of that seemed concentrated in like the last week and a half of the NFL and we keep on churning all the way up to Bears and Commanders on Thursday Night Football this week. Strap in for that one, folks. Um, Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. In the meantime, though, if you are like what we just described and love going to NFL football games, love going to college football games, love going to... We're at like the, the autumnal equinox of sports right now. Had the NHL yes. get started last night. Mm -hmm. Major League Baseball's in the postseason. Tough one for the Mariners. We won't talk about it too much. Katie Nolan going to join the podcast for tomorrow or uh, for tomorrow get us right on that front but you've got all that going on NBA preseason NFL college football you got a lot of choices and you might not always be able to plan out ahead it's one of the hardest things for me is to plan out too far ahead got a lot of busy time during the season we all got lives we all got jobs our friends over at game time are here to help out with that cause here game time supporting this podcast support them as they support us and they're helping you out. They're giving you a great product here because with all the crowds, with all the busy schedules here, you want something that's going to provide you ease of use, easy access at an effective price. And that's what game time does. It's an easy to use interface. It gives you a list of what's going on in your area. And that can be events from sporting events to concerts, what's coming up in the week and what's available that night. And it gives you those options and allows you to get at them at a very, very low price here. Like we said, you got plenty of options right now. And to be able to do this for less than $400, $500 a ticket, I mean, we're talking under $100 for some tickets. We mentioned the Harry Styles stuff the other day. I could have gone and seen Harry Styles in the United Center in Chicago for $166 the day of. That's insane. I would have gotten got anywhere else. And the best part is you can see your view 
what your seat's going to look like right in the app. Checkout takes less than 30 seconds. It's a super easy process, and it's one that I think is really going to help you out. So download the GameTime app, create an account, redeem code GOJO for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's code GOJO, $20 off on your first purchase. Terms apply. Download GameTime. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Uh, Brandon. Hotter ticket in town than expected right now. Uh, let's talk a little Notre Dame football. I feel like we come off these Ooh. weekends, and for a while we've been purposely laying, laying low, or at least I have, because we know how the season started for Notre Dame, right? It was yeah. back-to-back losses to start the year, the Ohio State loss that I think a lot of people expected, and then the Marshall loss that certainly was a shock to the system for everyone. You had people throwing out that stat about Marcus Freeman being the first head coach at Notre Dame to start his career 0-3, going back to the bowl game that he coached. And we told you then that that was kind of a bunk stat, but people were going to run with it anyway. Mm-hmm. Looking up now, a few weeks later, after start losing starting quarterback for the entire year, going out and rattling off three straight wins, including this last weekend, a win against a ranked BYU team on the road. Now, it was a neutral site game. The Notre Dame Shamrock series they play every year that Notre Dame is undefeated in in these neutral site Shamrock games. And sometimes it's because you're playing lesser competition, but this is a ranked BYU team. They were 16 in the country at this point, and people will do the thing now after the fact where they'll ask how deserving they were of that. They had the number going into the game, man. We're midway through the season at this point. If you're still up in that range, you're doing something or have done something right over the course of this year. My question to you is, Brandon, are you like me kind of enjoying no one noticing or talking about this right now because I didn't think after years of being a team that won double digit games every year a -hmm. team that was always in the college football playoff conversation that I would enjoy the relative anonymity that we've got as much as I am Mike I love it because I hate when we they talk about us because every time they the media talks about Notre Dame Nothing good or productive is said. So I would prefer there be no noise for the Notre Dame players to try to avoid. Now, you're talking about the Shamrock series and us being, I think it's 11-0 and 0 yeah. in the Shamrock series. You could talk about the competition, Mike, but what real is Notre Dame players are thirsty for new jerseys. And anytime <laughs> that we can get some <laughs> new specialty jerseys, we're going to ball out. That is so true. Like, I mean, as, as one of the teams that – plays in the blue blood uniforms and the ones people think of watching our fans every year, especially in those early days of the Shamrock series appalled when we would touch the helmet or appalled when we would go to Chicago wearing almost entirely blue uniforms with a white leprechaun on the helmet, which again, I don't know how good they look now at the time. I thought those things were balling because they were different. And so there is a little boost with that, Brandon, but I I, like, I, I would disagree in the past. I always enjoyed being in the mix. I always, when people ask, you know, the kind of loaded question of, would you rather get to the college football playoff and get blown out or go to a next tier bowl game and win or play a closer game? I would always rather get to the CFP. I would always have the kind of season and be considered in the kind of air that warrants you being close to the ultimate prize as possible. Like that's to me, the only reason you play this sport, or at least one of the main reasons you play this sport, especially for a team without a conference. And I don't mind that. Like We've seen plenty of the tired arguments about strength of schedule that aren't true. I had my, God, first, I think, truest reminder during the college football scene about how unhinged this sport can make people, including me. Like When it comes to college football, I am a fan like the rest of you. Despite having gone and gotten to affect the outcomes in a university that I love, 
I'm still a fucking lunatic on the other side of this. And I was sitting in an airport sky lounge this weekend and I saw three people in orange outfits. Two of them clearly marked in Tennessee. One looked like slightly different. I couldn't tell if it was weathered. They all sounded like Tennessee fans. And they were talking shit about what they had just done to Brian Kelly and LSU. And they said, yeah, it's a different deal down here for him in the SEC. He's not playing that easy Notre Dame schedule where you get to play Army and Navy every year. And I, in that seat, was seething, listening to this old man in orange talk shit. And I'm sitting there on my computer, looking up the strength of schedule numbers, seeing that Notre Dame right now currently top 10 in strength of schedule, according to ESPN.com, while Tennessee's down there in the 60s. Like, my brother in Christ, you play Akron on the schedule. You played Ball State, no offense, Brandon, to start the season this year. You're going to have Tennessee Martin up on the schedule in a few weeks. You don't get to talk shit to anybody. And then I had the ultimate reminder that I just need to shut up and not let this stuff affect me. Because the guy got up, looked at the two Tennessee fans, and said, good luck against Alabama next week to you guys. And I realized his orange had to be Illinois or Syracuse orange. That man had no affiliation. That man was just over here shooting the shit with a bunch of these Tennessee fans. And I had spent all that time winding myself up for absolutely nothing. So that is that is how I operate. That is what I am used to. Still clearly enjoy the adrenaline rush when it comes to Notre Dame being discussed in public. But for some reason have not minded just a little bit of break. Maybe because I knew this team needed it coming off those early games. Because this was going to be so different. Because Marcus Freeman is in his first year as the head coach around here. But maybe it's it's nice to have a break from that. Because I also look at the team and feel a lot more confident about the direction they're going. Like all the things that we thought about the DNA of a team that had won 10 wins over the course of the last five seasons. And the DNA of a team that brought in a coach that had been around already for a season. That appears to really have the buy-in from the players on the roster. Where I'm like, all right, we're not a bad football team. The Cal game was close and ugly. It was Drew Pine's first start. Go out against North Carolina who can't play defense. But you go and treat them like that. You do the same thing to BYU for the majority of this game. And I'm like, okay, like we look like the team that's still built well along the lines of scrimmage, improving in both those areas. And you're getting better contribution from the receiver room from some of the young guys. You're getting Drew Pine looking more like a normal guy. Michael Mayer being one of the best tight ends in the country. And so all those things make me feel comfortable in a way. It's like, all right, I know what we have. And I want to wait and see what it looks like when we finally get Clemson, when we finally get USC, and we get our measuring stick games for the season. So I think that's where the comfort comes from is I know there's going to come a point in time. And so I am going to enjoy getting to watch more stress-free football in the meantime. The only thing that makes me comfortable right now is that we don't have any more injuries. Because I do think that Notre Dame, the downfall, and the thing that maybe makes us less of a top 25 team and – more of a Mac team is we're an injury away from the team being drastically different. We're I will say this: we're not a Mac team this year. Max down, kind of. Max kind yeah, of Max the worst this year. Yeah. Like it's Max, Max the Max really bad. But I was talking. I'm, I'm mentioning him because I'm talking about the 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 depth between the ones and twos and threes. And obviously with Notre Dame, that's not an issue usually. But I think now with three undefeated teams left on the schedule, Mike with Clemson first, then Syracuse, or is it Syracuse, then Clemson? Doesn't matter. Clemson, Syracuse, and then USC at the end of the season, all uh, all undefeated, which is one of the reasons why I I would imagine that Notre Dame's strength of schedule is in the top ten with the rest of the season. Health is going to be the most important thing. And obviously, we're talking about spooky October. The, The whole cliche is good teams win in November, and 
I would like for us to stay healthy in August or in August, in October. Yeah, I'd agree. I think that's, I think especially this year, a concern along the lines of scrimmage. We knew coming into this season a little thin depth wise in both areas that you are used to being surpluses around here. And we see the recruiting cavalry on the way. I think part of it is you're right. We know those games are coming up and those are going to be the ones that people have always had circled on the calendar. But it also is interesting looking around college football in general because we came from an offseason where the biggest stories were conference realignment, college football playoff expansion, and then new head coaches at Oklahoma, USC, LSU, Notre Dame. Like You had those big changes. You had USC and UCLA moving. And when you look up right now at really who's delivered on the promise, Notre Dame has been largely left by the wayside since the Marshall game. LSU has been allowed to bide its time quietly and then got its doors blown off by Tennessee in a way that's going to once again push them to the side of the table. Oklahoma bottoming out as we speak, just got their doors blown off by Texas. But you've had, I think this college football season has been a mix of knowing who the good teams are, right? We set Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State up at the top and we forgot them for a little bit. Most of them have played close enough games, and that includes Clemson right below them, that includes Michigan right below them, to make us go, huh, there might be more parity in college football this season. We've seen teams like Kansas show up in big games when college game days around here. We've seen Adrian Martinez in Kansas State get a big-time win when we still thought Oklahoma was good. We saw Texas play Alabama to a really close game, enough to where we can look and say, well, when Quinn Ewers is on the field, maybe this is a little back. Now Chip Kelly's UCLA out, but you've gotten some of the big brands that had been dormant for a while, at least involved in the conversation in a way that right now we can still justify as competitive and I think that's part of the reason this college football season has been really interesting the big games have been big and we mixed up the bag enough between new coaching hires and transfer portal quarterbacks and some of those other things that can juice the sport a bit I mean the reason why we lost to Marshall is because that team was filled with a bunch of guys that weren't on Marshall's team uh, a year ago or two years ago so I do think the the movement with college football and the good on good is kind of helping eliminate some of the parity. And obviously when you see what Texas did to Alabama, no one would have thought that was going to be the case, especially with a backup quarterback for Texas. So yes, uh, any given Sunday is a common trope. And last yesterday we talked about the the thin margins with these NFL games uh, throughout these first five weeks, college football is nipping at the heels. Yeah, it's, I think been a really good year. And as long as the big games, we talked about all the close NFL games. We saw that weekend where we had Michigan play a close game with Maryland the same weekend. We saw Clemson play a close game with Wake Forest on and on down the list. Like, And this coming weekend is going to be, I think, another one of those where if you get this weekend to deliver where you've got six ranked-on-ranked matchups, Penn State on the road at Michigan, Alabama playing Tennessee, Oklahoma State at TCU, where I'll be with Learfield's college football Saturday night. Ooh, nice. Very excited for that one. Huge NC, game. NC State at Syracuse, Mississippi State at Kentucky, and USC at Utah. You've got big in almost every every conference big and high levels with some of the brands that we talked about here and if once again we get a weekend where a lot of these ones deliver especially that Tennessee Bama game where college game day is going to be you continue to I think inject the right kind of life in the sport for a time where we're talking about expanding the college football playoff this is a season where I think we look across the board and we go all right there's a lot more viability in teams 
five through nine, five through ten, than we feel like we've seen in quite some time because Bama and Georgia have looked vulnerable, because we're not sure really what Clemson is, because Michigan's played mostly a cupcake schedule so far this season. So it's uh, it's made it very, very interesting uh, so far here in the early going, which has been fun. And it's been fun, again, to get to watch it from a more relaxed vantage point. And as Notre Dame gets set to take on uh, Stanford this weekend, uh, another good test for them. 17-point favorites. Can you go out there and beat an inferior team the way that you should in this game? Um, but Brandon. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All that Notre Dame gas bagging aside, we have to get on to more important matters in this podcast, more important questions in this podcast, things people really want to know the answer to. Like the question, do you, Brandon Newman, know what time it is? Whew. You know I do, Mike. <laughs> I put a spell on you. And now you're gone, gone, gone. So long, this, that, and the third on you. And it was strong, it's so strong, it's so strong, it's so strong. Your wretched little lives have all been cursed, cuz of all the witches working. I'm the worst side, this, that, and the third on you. And now you're mine. Did you do musical theater as a kid? <laughs> you just... <laughs> you just randomly... <laughs> no, I'm just saying because you have really good stage presence. And, like, you're a good enough singer. Because you know how, like, with musical theater, you're part mm. singing, part mm. acting. So you don't have to be, like the level of singer that would get you a record deal, but you've got to be right. good enough to carry a tune and to go along with your physical presence and the way you do those things. It just seems like musical theater was right up your alley. Mike, I'll, I'll say this. I'll, I'll, we could talk about this real quick and then move on. I was in Into the Woods in high school when I was getting recruited heavily by Stanford. Uh, I remember Jim Harbaugh and the rest of the Stanford coaches called me after my opening night with this, that, and the third. I was Prince Charming. Uh, I sang, I don't know what it is. That's not the funny part about the story. The funny part about the story is when I went to South Bend to commit to Notre Dame, in South Bend's newspaper, in the South Bend Tribune, 
was a picture of me as Prince Charming on stage at my high school play. And it said, this nose guard just committed to Notre Dame. It was a picture of me like on stage doing uh, theater. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, not as a kid. Not as a kid. But it's, it's, it's been a calling, you could say. And shouts out to Bernie Mac, RIP. Uh, he famously said, the hardest thing about being a stand-up is making the audience feel lucky to be in the same room as you. So it's all about just, just you know, giving, well, failing loudly and fast. Man, well, if you feel lucky to be in the same podcast room as Brandon Newman, download, subscribe, rate, and review, <laughs> and let them know what you think. I feel like we need to get you into community theater now. I feel like that's your destiny. Like, I know you love being on the stand-up oh, stage, man. but I feel like community yeah. theater would be a real breeding ground for greatness for you. Yeah, you know, now, now that COVID's died down a little bit, you know, maybe... Maybe I'll dabble. Maybe. I'll, keep, I'll keep everybody posted. There we go. That would be great content for the YouTube page here. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Uh, Brandon, let's get to this. Um, Brett Favre's talking. Finally. So the last time on Dragon Ball Z, we talked to Brett Favre. He was about a, uh, a part of a massive case, a $77 million case of Mississippi State welfare fraud Um Involving $77 million in temporary assistance for needy family funds diverted from the poorest people in America's poorest state towards rich and powerful Mississippians. In Brett Favre's case, $5 million of that money was deferred to the Department of Human Resources to a nonprofit and eventually to the University of Southern Mississippi, Brett Favre's alma mater, Athletic Foundation, to build a new volleyball facility there at a place where his daughter played volleyball. Brett Favre at that point had text messages leaked where he was talking about and sounding very guilty. And so he came out on Fox News Digital and said, I have been unjustly smeared in the media. I have done nothing wrong and it is past time to set the record straight. Yeah, no shit, because if you're actually going to set the record straight and you believed it, you were probably going to do that a while ago. He said, quote, no one ever told me and I did not know that the funds designated for welfare recipients were going to the university or me. I tried to help my alma mater, a public Mississippi State University, raise funds for a wellness center. My goal was and always will be to improve the athletics facilities at my university. Now, it is how, worth How noble. It, it's just incredible. Like The audacity to try and come out and claim this, and we've talked about the other ways in which Brett Favre has already really sullied his reputation over the years, but coming out and not having a direct answer for the text messages leaked as a part of this audit into other people that are now facing jail times that have pled guilty with exchanges with Brett Favre where he asked, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media can find out where it came from and how much? Like, you cannot sound guiltier in this process than Brett Favre did in those text messages. And so until he can accurately and substantially refute that and what is going on in those statements here, I am really going to have a hard time buying anything that this guy has to say. Sounds like another former uh, Southern football player, Herschel Walker. It's like, they talk about, they, they got, I got receipts. They got receipts for an abortion and a, and a check, but and they claim I got. They didn't hear me say nothing about, yeah, smushmortion. Yeah, it, it 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 seems like, it seems like you're trying to do pull the old I didn't know, defense. And Mike, I honestly I feel like that's that's one of the most ironclad defenses because you can't really dispute it. 
you can bring your receipts. You can bring your text messages. You can bring all your evidence to the table. If I'm looking at you both face and, and I tell you I didn't know, I don't know, and I don't know why y'all are mad at me, what are you going to do? God, that sounds like the old Eddie Murphy sketch where he's getting accused of cheating. He goes, hey, was me. I saw you with her. I saw you cheating on me. I can't believe you did this. Hey, wasn't me. Well, I guess maybe it wasn't you. No, this definitely uh, seems like that here. I mean, Brett Favre going to the governor, text messages with the governor and welfare officials in anything connected to going and funding a volleyball facility. Do not pass go. Do not collect $5 million, $1.1 million dollars. This will be something to monitor, but this is, again, not someone who over the years in a variety of formats and setting has proven themselves to be a trustworthy actor. And so no. it is going to take, and the burden of proof, I know people do the you know guilty until proven innocent thing. Brett Favre is not being threatened with jail time at this point. Brett Favre is not having his freedom threatened. And so when it comes to us believing Contrary to what we have seen with admitted evidence in a case where someone actually was facing charges on welfare fraud, for you to jump over and clear your name off that is going to take a lot more than coming out and saying, yeah, I've been smeared and I'm going to do something about it. So that is where we stand at this point. Uh, That is where we're also coming up to next, Brandon, because you got a birthday coming up in the family and you mentioned uh, what's going on with you and your lovely mother, who is one of the great listeners and uh, Apple reviewers of this podcast. We appreciate her as always, but walk me through what the birthday situation, because I am not going to lie, birthday politics and our behaviors around them are a weird fascination for me. It's a fascination for you? Yeah, how people go about celebrating and treating their birthdays. Absolutely. Like a lot of people say you can learn a lot about a culture by studying what they do with their dead. I think you can also learn a lot about a culture Mm -hmm. about how they celebrate their birthdays. Okay. Well, let me just take this time out. Today, on October 12th, is my father's birthday. So, happy birthday, Dad, uh, to, to Lance Newman. I, I'm going to put the rest of your government out there. Um, but, happy birthday. And with that, my dad constantly gets stepped on by my mom's birthday because it's a couple days later. And it's, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. I feel like I remember my mom's birthday before I remember my dad's. Well, that's just kind of how family dynamics work, too. Usually mom is just, mom's the title character. Mom is the one that you have to keep happy in order to keep the house happy, so it makes sense. Right, yes, and it's always like, usually in high school or something, I would always remember to call my dad because, on his birthday, because I was thinking about my mom's birthday. I was like, when's my mom's birthday? It's like, oh, yeah, oh couple days oh that means dad's birthday is right now anyways okay so my mom is turning 61 years old uh at 60 she went to hawaii and and took uh a couple of my brother's uh kids a couple of her grandchildren to hawaii and now on her 61st birthday mike she booked an airbnb in gatlinburg tennessee which is about four hours south of louisville kentucky uh next to pigeon ford i'm sure uh, dolly land is nearby as well uh, she booked an Airbnb, Mike, and then told my brother, his wife, and his four kids that they were coming and that the parents needed to give a lot of money to, to pay for their rooms in the Airbnb. Same thing to me and Michelle and my wife my wife and, and our two kids. We we're going to be there as well. And it was not an option, Mike. It was we were going to Gatlinburg this weekend to celebrate my mom's birthday on the 16th. And it doesn't matter that we have to give the Airbnb away on the 16th on Sunday and we'll be heading back to Louisville. That's not important. 
And it's doesn't not important the fact that we have to drive up on Friday and we'll barely get a chance to really, really spend time in this beautiful Airbnb uh, that my mom and my wife uh, got together and booked. I'm excited for the change of scenery, Mike, but I do feel like it's it's going to be a little bit much, but it's always a little bit of stretch for someone's birthday, right? Well, that was my question because I feel like a lot of people go through varying stages of this, right? And there are certain birthdays, like I don't know if this is any sort of like landmark birthday for your mom, usually when you get on any of like the 10 number years. We just we just found out that it was, Mike. My, my grandmother passed when she was... 59 and, and uh, my great aunt and my, my grandma's best friend was around the same age. So my mom does feel like this is kind of this is a uh, this is a, a special one for her. All right. So it, it's a unique cause for celebration. then. like that makes sense yes. because I hear people all the time. And we talked about this when my birthday came up. A lot of people don't really celebrate a ton of meaningful birthdays after the age of 21 when you're going out and celebrating the freedom to party and all that stuff. And after right. that, it just becomes, all right, like, I'm still here. That's a great thing. We see more and more as we live in the world right now. Like, man, just getting to wake up. You and I used to have a guy in the Student Welfare and Development Department in Notre Dame, Keith Embray. When you'd ask him how he was, he would say, upright and unincarcerated. And that's a great bar to clear every day. Because if you can clear mm -hmm. that, you're usually going to be pretty damn happy. But how people choose and why to celebrate their birthdays. Like, you see people do birthday week now. A lot of people will throw it out there on social media and kind of fish for that. And it's just fascinating to me. And I like I think I used to be really down on it, and now I kind of appreciate someone who cares enough about themselves to go out and make sure that they are celebrated just for being born, a thing that they had no hand in. <laughs> like, it's like when people come up to me in public and they go, wow, you're really tall. How tall are you? And they're like, oh, that must be great. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't do anything to deserve this. I just showed up here. <laughs> I lived in a family that fed me some of the right stuff and I had good genes. I didn't do anything for this. Oh, man. That, that is fair. That is fair, Mike. But I do think it is interesting, the whole birthday thing, because it's one thing to, to for it to be special for you because, you know, it's you. You're you and you're with your, your body and you've been growing the entire time. But to make it to make it a thing for other people is the special American part of it that I feel like is is a special case study. Because well, there is is almost that that uh, expectation, like you know what today is, right? Well, it's that's my it's, birthday. That's that's the only reason I still have Facebook. <laughs> oh, hey, that little calendar, Mike, like, is legit. Saving lives out here, saving lives. And you know what's interesting too, as you go through the years. It used to be I would see that and I would really work hard to keep up with a lot of people. Now, if I don't have your base your birthday in my Google calendar off Facebook, I'm probably not gonna trip if I'm a day or two late. I'm probably just gonna keep this thing moving. Like unless I know that we've exchanged text messages and I got certain text messages with certain people that are just happy birthday back and forth for us across years, where it is we meet up around birthday time. Hey, what's up? Hope everything's good. Happy birthday. Appreciate you. Hope the family's doing well. Update on maybe one or two kids, and then we keep this thing moving. But it is always within the screen, the last two birthday oh, texts between the two of us. I don't know, Mike. I, I've, I'm, You know how I am. We're responding with my phone. Uh, I'm just trying to see if... I'm, I'm waiting on the day nobody reaches out at all on my birthday. I think that would be the best day for me. So, just so, just so I, cause I don't have to text anybody back. 
because I'm bad at texting people back. So when I get all those birthday texts and, you know, it happens sometime in February and I'm texting people back in March saying thank you, people aren't happy with that. You know what I will say, Brandon, is that's a good point and it is always an interesting social experiment. And I wake up and I'm like, all right, enough people remembered. I can feel pretty good about this. Still got friends. That still feels good. But I also <laughs> know that what we just talked about, it's hard to keep track of all of them. And I've got people that I care about enough that I'm sure would feel badly if they forgot. And so policy-wise for me, I don't usually post about my birthday. I don't usually put anything original up there. But you know how people who are nice friends will tag you and stuff like that. I usually don't. I forced it on you this week, this year. Yeah, I usually don't throw those things up. And I made like one or two exceptions this year just because I'm like, there's probably a subsect of my friends on Instagram that weren't going to know or remember. And I'll shoot them some bail by throwing it out there, by making it public knowledge, because that has bailed me out plenty. Someone's birthday ending up in an Instagram story that I can then use to just fire off a text message and still feel like a good friend. Perfect example of that, Mike. The only time people respond or text me to tell me happy birthday is after Michelle's posted it. Yeah. Oh, see, wives and wives and girlfriends, significant others in general, huge resource on this. You've got to make a show of it. And in my case, parents, because I don't have any of the other ones, but in my case, parents are the ones that got to make the big deal about it to kind of send the alarm for everybody else. Because without that, we are getting to a time where it is tougher and tougher to come by that information. My question: Do you still get your mom a gift? Hell. Yes, in the form of uh, giving up some cash whenever she would ask for it for whatever reason. Like she would be, it could be, it could be, it could be next Monday, and she'd be like, "Oh, my birthday was on. My birthday was last week. Are you gonna buy dinner for everyone?" Like it, it was, you know, it's just like something like that, like a little, a little, but like, a little, but, we did this, but you're you not forcing a gift on a day just because people, because I, I firmly agree with that yeah. practice. It's something that we started doing a while ago, even with Christmas, where it's like we're not really going. If you see something, say something. If you see something that you think someone would like at any point in the year, just pull the trigger then and do it. There's no reason to save it for this arbitrary day and try and shoehorn it in there. Interesting, nice. I do, I do like the. You already got your Christmas present uh, argument, uh, or you you got your birthday present because you know, like Michelle and I have been together for years, right? Like years, and I think it was my twenty third birthday. She gifted me a passport, and I still ain't got that passport. So now it's got incentives on it. I don't know what else to do. Wait, with it. I, I don't know what. You, wait, what? What do you mean you don't? She gifted you the passport, but you don't have the passport. Like it was like a gesture. It was like I'm gonna. Like it's your birthday. I'm gonna I'm gonna put the cost up and do the extra legwork and like work hard to get you your passport. And I'm like, oh, thanks, babe. You the one want to go out the country? Let, let's do it. Uh, nope. I still ain't got a passport. I got a true ID, but I ain't got no damn passport. <laughs> was it because you didn't do the work you needed to in addition to what she was willing to do? And she ain't put up no money. I ain't seen no. I ain't seen no two twenty five, two fifty. I ain't seen nothing until I ain't did the paperwork. I, I ain't I ain't gonna front it. To go where? Oh, man. I am very excited to get the text message from your wife tomorrow telling the real story and the real version of this. <laughs> That's it, bro. I'm telling you. She was supposed to give me a, uh, a passport. But anyways, but you 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 ask about kids, too, because we have a lot of young ones in our family. Yes, we still get... we. Uh, oh, no. The younger ones that can't remember it, they don't get a specific gift. 
like they they just kind of get like the celebration and and maybe you you know you hand them something that was already there like oh here play with this but like Zoe who's like 10 11 like those things they remember so you try to give them something well, yeah that's just bribery for later on in life so you're going to be like hey we're we're still going to be cool later on and you're still right. going to rock with me here because I'm going to bribe you with cool shit. I think once right. your once your friends or siblings start having kids, you can stop giving them gifts is what I'm going to try out. Like now that my brother Ooh, and his like wife that. had a kid, I don't need to get them stuff anymore. I just need to get him stuff or stuff that they can use with and around him at this point since he's only like three months old. Energy doesn't dissipate. just changes forms. Shit. Mm. So. That's a bar. That's a full-blown bar. <laughs> Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Brandon, speaking of energy, let's get to the third and finish this thing out here. Um... <laughs> CNBC came out with a list, a surveyed list of the drive-through 2020 speed list, the mm-hmm. fastest drive-throughs in America based on average drive, uh, average time spent in the line. And there are a couple of Mike. They go ahead. They broke it down to the seconds, which I really, really appreciate because it's it's supposed to be fast food. Like, realistically, it's minutes that you spend in a fast food restaurant and a fast food line waiting for your food. But let's talk Let's talk seconds. So, yeah. So, KFC coming in at number one on this list at 302 seconds, followed by Taco Bell at 317. So, a distant 15 seconds behind. The distance between mm-hmm. number one and number two appears to be larger than the difference between two and four. You go down to Hardee's and then to Dunkin' Donuts at 328.1 seconds. Then you got Carl's Jr., Arby's, Burger King, McDonald's, Wendy's. And all the way at the bottom of this list, at 509 seconds, is Chick-fil-A. And that's the interesting part, Brandon. And they they go on to kind of clarify that Chick-fil-A, while it has a poor showing in the speed aspect, it is tied to the highest score with Carl's Jr. in customer satisfaction with their drive-through yes. experience, taking into account yes. staff friendliness, customer expectations, how quickly they expect to receive their food. They both got a 95% in satisfaction. And so, Brandon, what stood out to you the most about this list? Because that's not surprising to me. Chick-fil-A is a place where I think you've become accustomed to believing I'm getting a little more quality here, especially if I order a milkshake. Right. I'm getting fries that I really like here. And they are such a joy to deal with there. The militant dedication to great customer service at chick-fil-a is meme worthy but also very appreciated uh they uh, my pleasure uh what's the other thing they say it's my pleasure and how can i help you by the way our friend our our dear friend hillary christ um who is the wife of dane christ the foremost listener of this podcast and our former roommate notre dame quarterback works for rich carlton and tried to claim that rich carlton invented saying my pleasure 
in interactions with customers. And I said, that's like Ohio State trademarking the. I do not acknowledge this as a thing. Saying a common word or a common phrase like that in your workplace and claiming to have invented that. I'm sorry. Ritz Carlton, I love you. And if you ever want to do anything with this podcast, we have more than Oakham because you got great hotels. But y'all didn't invent that shit and you know it. No. Yeah. When I was in fourth grade, I made up the, your mama's so fat. She hang glides on a Dorito. I was pretty sure someone else made it up too. Right? I, but I was, I was, I, <laughs> I was like, it's not the two, it's not too original. Or right, mom's so fat, mom's so small. Um, but anyways, oh, back to this food thing, Mike. I think it's hilarious. This is what stood up to me: that a chicken restaurant is at number one and number ten. KFC and Chick Fil A, right? Can I be dead ass? By the Fast. way, I didn't know KFC had a drive through. Shut up. Okay, I'm sorry to say I shouldn't have said it like that. <laughs> I shouldn't have came at you like that. I'm but... only saying I've ever been, like, the one by my house growing up was a brick and mortar one side of building that didn't have a drive through so I just did not associate them with that, let alone a like, fast one. Right, like 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 most uh, like most Dairy Queens in Detroit. So you got to walk up and, to get this stuff. But, Mike... Yes, I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. Obviously, Yum Brand is centered in Kentucky. If you don't know what Yum Brand is, it's KFC, Taco Bell, Long John Silver's, A&W Root Beer, uh, Pizza Hut. Yeah, all those, all those all those restaurants you go and see a, a combined restaurant, it's usually uh, they're owned by the same company. So Yum Brand owns all these. So the commerce in louisville kentucky is fast food mike that's why it's kind of that's why i'm so fucking fat and that's why it's so dangerous uh, to be around here but to think that kfc and chick-fil-a will be on the same list when you're talking about drive through speed times when kfc has never had more than two cars in the drive-thru ever and, and chick-fil-a has anywhere up to 95 per hour I think it's very silly to talk about the difference, right? Because everyone's like, oh, you're you're fighting for quality with Chick-fil-A. That's why it takes so long. It's like, no, you're dealing with a very high-ticket item. Like, it's like when we first talk, start talking about this list, Mike, you try to bring up In-N-Out, and it's like, where's In-N-Out on this list? It's like, okay, slow, slow down. S- slow down. No, you slow down. Cause it I can't is be bumping. any slower than them. It is literally apples to apples – on this fast food list when you're talking about time and quality with Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out Burger. Just want to put that out there. But that was the thing that kind of hopped off the screen to me and that McDonald's is so, so far down on the list. Mike, when I was reading the comments of this, somebody said, I'm going through McDonald's twice. Uh, I've gone through Chick-fil-A twice by the time I get done with McDonald's, especially if I order a shake. Like, McDonald's is slow as hell and he's got the numbers to prove it. Yeah, Mc- 410 seconds average pulling up to a McDonald's drive through I'm also confused. Aren't Hardee's and Carl's Jr. essentially the same thing? Uh, it's one of those things where it's like uh, rallies and uh, no. I thought it was like a rallies checkers thing, but I think there is a slight variance. I was interested in that. I certainly wasn't surprised that Duncan was in the top four. Like you weren't surprised? No, not at all. That's because sh- they're so shitty. Obviously, they give the food fast. Shitty. Bite your tongue. All right. Don't you don't what? got you don't got to be ugly right now just because I brought up your precious In and Out Burger and reminded you that it's not <laughs> worth the wait. Like I'm sorry if it's also a value proposition relative to time, it's not worth the wait. I promise you, it's not. It's never been worth the wait. Sitting in a 30 right. car line is not worth it. And I'll just tell you in general, the drive-through Brandon, 
I think there's usually a pretty easy point of diminished returns where it's just more worth it to get out of the car and go inside. Okay, Mike, you gotta, you really do gotta slow down. It's not that's not a, that's not something you can say universally. It's very it it depends on the time and in and out. Definitely, you might as well get out of the car. Sometimes well, yeah, you, you might as well sit down music. and read a book there. Okay, okay. <clears throat> all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is. I hear you that sometimes it's faster, but if you see a long drive-through line, one thing that I've learned, like a dog that knows not to, I don't know, I was trying to find a, a thing, but I don't have it. One thing that I've learned is if it's a long line in the drive-through, it's going to be a long line inside as well. And if it's not a long line inside as well, it's still going to take a long ass time inside as well because they servicing all those people outside. I think if you're the only person inside, and I've been in plenty of those, especially Duncan's where there's a long line, because people are on their way on their commute. People want to do this, that, you know, this, that, and the third, and getting out of there, there you a, go. Yeah, expeditiously, you can go in and beat the game going inside. I will say that long line you mentioned relative with quality, right? That those things are directly yes. connected, and that the longer the line usually indicates the longer the quality. I'll also say the time... You, the more you... I'll also the say you fuck around the yeah, faster you're going to find the, out. Yeah. The fuck around, find out graph, the crazy hot matrix, whatever you want in that. <laughs> I'd be interested to do that out with this and see which plots the best. We do scatter plots a lot for football as far as teams performance, yes. because where do you think the biggest, like the perfect sweet spot is between quality and time on this list? Can I tell you? Oh, Oh, it's not on the list, but I, I was going to say, I'll put it. Um, but on this list specifically. Because again, technically, like if you're looking at the median on a 10 item oh. list, Carl's Jr. and Arby's are right in the middle time wise. Yeah. And so, yeah. based on the way you justify it, that would be the sweet spot on this is where you're getting time value and also quality value. Yeah, honestly, I mean, you obviously would jump to the middle, Mike, but I got to go to Arby's immediately because the quality is there because they have a meat slicer. In their restaurant, Arby's has a meat slicer in the restaurant. Unlike Subway, who sells sandwiches for a living, like uh, Arby's is set up like Jersey Mike's when it comes to getting that fresh slaved, slaved mm, Jesus, wow, the fresh shaved thin meat. So yes, I think and Arby's also, if I could do a price point thing, it's probably more than one of the more expensive fast food uh, restaurants on this list in the top ten. So uh, I think Arby's is probably where you're getting your Ruth. Chris style quality at a very fast turnaround time. Pull up the Arby's menu prices really quick here, and seeing where. We're well, they at. have the the biggest cut. They have the best cuts of meat, so, so you're going to expect an them. To Arby's be more classic expensive. roast beef costs three dollars and twenty nine cents. Just the sandwich that seems pretty affordable. Yeah, but that classic roast beef is like, you know, that's that's his. That's like an apple pie at McDonald's at this point in time. Like that's the bottom of so the. So if you get the max roast beef, it's five twenty nine, which again still feels like it's Thank within you. range. Uh, okay, okay, okay. I'll say this. It's if definitely you... more on the expensive side. Like when you get to like yes. the roast turkey and switch is seven forty nine. You're definitely paying a little bit of a premium, but like you said, there's quality and variety there. I've had the euros there that are really damn good. Don't ever so good. just promise me, all of you listening. I ordered the meat mountain so you don't have to. Like you know you how did double meat. You know how no, it's not double meat. It's not oh, double okay. meat. Secret menu item. It's called the meat mountain. It is every meat they have in the store. 
it is not a, like it on, it takes on what like the same kind of buns that you would have the beef and cheddar on it's i will effort to find an onion roll i will effort to find a picture of the meat mountain because i went to arby's every day for a week for lunch um, as part of the thing with Arby's, and it was wonderful. They were lovely. They set up a little table for me in the back. It kicked ass. But I tried different things every day, and one of them was the Meat Mountain, and I never felt so much like I was on the verge of death than I did after yeah. that. Heart was beating. So it was just, it was too much for me. And at that point, I was still a pretty big guy. I was very excited. It tastes wonderful. It all tastes wonderful there, but it's just too much. And for a secret menu item, you might think, oh, I can do this and go out and dare. Like, I did this. I'm like, you know, what like old football players say, I did this so my son doesn't have to. Like, I did this so you don't have to do that. Go and enjoy the rest of that menu. There's plenty of great options. Let me fall on the Meat Mountain Sword for you because that's the difference around here. And that is what we hope you take away from this podcast here. If you appreciate the Meat Mountain difference, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And also check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. tab. Thank you so much. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.